0: This is CliffCentral.com.
1: Good morning and welcome to Disrupt with Mpumint Lapo. On this show, we focus on immersive disruption through in-depth conversations with industry leaders, um, on disruptive business and emerging business and technology trends across various industries. With each of our guests, to explore their journey of how they've pioneered and become game changers to become avid disruptors themselves or through their organizations. With me in the studio today, I've got Craig Mitchell-Moore, who is the head of Intervate in the North, which is in Johannesburg. Craig, welcome to the show. How are you?
0: Thanks very much. And Pumi, I'm all good, thanks.
1: I'm great, thank you. I know recently you relaunched uh, Innovate um, under a new brand, for one, but you also introduced to the market a couple of new offerings. One of them centered around design thinking, and then the second one, you call it Sticky, which speaks to how you've evolved change management to adapt it to a digital world. So some of the... Topics we'll be discussing today with Craig is what is design thinking, really how do we define it? Why has it gained so much prominence? You know, everywhere you go now, everyone's trying to find the latest design thinking gurus, So we really want to understand why has it gained so much prominence. And also what existed before design thinking, where we're not thinking before. <laughs> so it'll be interesting really to explore some of these and more questions and topics um with you, Craig. But firstly, Craig, just a little bit about yourself. Uh, I know you're heading up Intervade, but just a brief your background.
0: So my background is, I'll give you a little bit about who I am. Um, I'm a creative and strategic thinker. Um, I'm very people crazy, and I've been told that I've got a sense of humor that it's a bit off the wall. Um, I'm also a dad. To two amazing kids nicholas and heather and um i got engaged 10 days ago so um ah, in the next short while are going to be going down the aisle
1: congratulations <laughs> thanks, thanks Wonderful. very much so let's let's jump into it um design thinking specifically as i mentioned you know in the lead in there's been a lot of talk around design thinking um international gurus being flown into the country hosting workshops etc um what's really um how do we define design thinking let's start there
0: well, design thinking is a very strong approach towards the emotive requirements of consumers, and that's where design thinking has its origins. It's a it's a very consumer-driven product and service, um, and we're looking at this with our clients as to how can they evolve with what they're taking to market, and how can they become more relevant?
1: Okay. And, and given that it's now become so prominent, what, how, what, what is it an evolution of? So what were we doing previously prior to design thinking?
0: Um, well, prior to design thinking, there were various processes in place where people were looking at more transactional related requirements for businesses. Um, and in the 1960s to the 1980s was really the first wave of design thinking. There were a couple of uh, gurus in that space. There was Simon Hill, who, um, you know, was very, very, Evocative that design was actually a very much a science orientated discipline. Okay. Um, and he believed that there was a definitive outcome. And subsequent to that, there's been the movement more towards the fact that the outcome is not defined. This is an evolution, which talks to the principles of agile and scrum, which is the way that the modern technology companies are working.
1: Okay. So you say we start now with the principle that the, the outcome is not defined.
0: So the outcome, when it's, it's not a defined outcome in terms of that is the end game, you, you have the design process, you ideate it, you prototype to it. And then from there, you can evolve beyond that prototype. So the solution is not stuck as a solution. It becomes something that is the first iteration of where you're going to.
1: Okay. And the concept of design, where, where does that come from? So in this aspect of now calling it design thinking, what are, where does it, where does it take its roots from?
0: So the design aspect is obviously drawing on the creative potential of human beings and how we've had to come up with various requirements right through since the dawn of history. Um, the design aspect is, is that there are a number of disciplines that are brought, brought together in a framework. Okay. So it is actually very mapped and very methodical, um, in how we get to those o- outcomes.
1: Okay. A typical approach would tip will normally see us kind of grappling with a problem and then kind of coming up with a design it's quite far down the line once we've done research and we've done all sorts of things you know we do primary research tertiary research we go to the market we do surveys, and then only then do we start kind of um, um coming up with a design i guess of whatever solution or product or problem we we're trying to resolve and you know, if you go into an organization and you kind of pitched to them in that way, they'd be quite comfortable with that to say, oh, okay, you're going to be thorough. You're going to do your research before you come up with the solution. This is somehow challenging that that frame or that, that approach to solving problems. Am I correct?
0: Absolutely. So what it's looking at is looking at the complexity that we are working with today within business and within society. Historically, companies are looking at here's a problem. Let's go into the R&D let's go and come up with a multitude of various options and let's spend some more money in how we're going to get those options to market and what happens is it's a very long time frame okay so design thinking challenges the time frame it comes in with the uh the bringing in of the culture of failing is an option and in fact failing quickly is encouraged because by doing that, you reduce the level of time to get to market okay. and you reduce your level of costs. So that's where the disruption is. It's making sure that you're not stuck in this long extended R&D phase, which then brings you to a return on investment that can take a lot of time. It's fail fast, get to market quickly, and make sure you can get your return on investment quickly as well. But but that doesn't
1: mean you give up, right? Because the, the problem that you're solving – with given its complexity, it should be something that requires a solution that is significant enough. It requires the investment. So in the, in the failing, it's not to say you fail, you give up, and you move on to something else. Am I correct?
0: No. So there, there there are two ways of looking at that failure. The failure is in the prototyping. So you prototype and see whether the the prototype that has been uh, postulated is. The solution that you can take to market. If there are weaknesses in it, you strengthen that prototype, or you come up with a new one. So there is not failure is an endpoint. Failure is part of the process to make sure you can get to market as quickly as possible with a minimum viable product.
1: I see. Um, so take me back a little bit, um, and you, you did kind of allude to it earlier on. But where did it? Where did re- design thinking really start to gain? um the corporate
0: credentials that we see it carrying today and really becoming something that's taken seriously so the amount of work that has been done in the design thinking space i think has been spearheaded by ideo um who are the leaders in the design thinking space um internationally okay and uh, tim ford has come up with some you know some some really interesting work that he has done within that space um, it has subsequently then become more mainstream within universities as well, and people are starting to be taught how to come across with design thinking as part of their thinking when they're entering the business arena. One of the things that I always reflect upon when you look at what is design thinking in a nutshell, and way back, Henry Ford articulated this when he looked at the motor car. Okay, He said if he'd asked people at the time, what is it that you want? They would have said, I want faster horses. Whereas <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, they actually needed something that they didn't know that they needed. Yes. So it, um, with coming up with the automobile, Henry Ford had actually come up with a need that became a demand. Okay.
1: So then what I can glean from that is that it also then requires, to a certain extent, a cultural shift. Okay. Because you cannot expect people that were going to ask for faster horses or more horses... Um, to then shift and all of a sudden be like wanting a combustion agent. There's going to be some sort of a significant shift within the fabric of that organization at that moment.
0: Funny enough, it's not just within the, within the fabric of the organization. It's also within your consumer base. So let's go to the, the organization first. When you're looking at traditional businesses in the last couple of decades, and I'm talking the last two, three decades, People have been very transactional in how they've done business. It's develop a product, sell the product, make the revenues, and this transaction goes on and on and on. Now the movement and the culture is experiential. Okay. How do people get to the point now where the offering that they're taking to market is more an experience for a consumer? In fact, I saw an article in the, on the BBC uh, News two days ago which said, is there a death to shopping and is experience the new way forward? Um, which was a very interesting article because mm. they're looking at are we changing consumerism from buy to experience? And that exactly is what happens within the organization as well. It's changing the culture of the organization to come up with experiences that consumers can have. So if you look at your consumers in our world we have technology consumers who yes. are usually sitting within office spaces how are they able to have more pleasant and more um involved interactions with technology that means we've got to look at this from an emotional angle what are those what are those consumers wanting out of technology hmm. When we move beyond the office worker and we look at the man in the street, the man in the street is also demanding the same thing. There are societal consequences at the moment to the kinds of products that are put out there. There are things like emissions. Hmm. How are we going to be dealing with that going forward? Hmm. What are we doing about water crises? What are we doing about climate change? What are we doing about political um Movements around the world that have completely changed the fabric on how we do institutionalization. So all of this is changing and people are looking for that emotive connection. So yes, you're correct. It does change the fabric on how things are around us. It's about now encouraging that culture to change and taking the, the people who are in our industry, okay. taking them across that bridge.
1: Okay, fantastic. So let's, let's dive into it then, because, um, um, I understand that obviously design thinking has got some science to it, if I can put it that way. And it is quite methodical, as much as it obviously encourages very open thinking, um, asking open-ended questions and not starting with the, you know, with the solution in mind. Um, so how can organizations then go about implementing or thinking about implementing design thinking? What are the key steps
0: that they would need to consider and understand as part of that process? So organizations, first of all, need to be thinking about what exactly is the business need where there is a problem. So it's not just about saying, well, this is definitively our business need because the problem that they articulate very often is underpinned by something that may be invisible to the organization. So the science behind design thinking is that there are very Um, structured steps even though it is a creative platform in which you come up with ideas okay so i'll take you through a couple of those those steps so so before you uh, start can
1: you maybe just very quickly paint for me um what what did what it looks like you know so what type of it is it a boardroom environment so when we're now going to engage this design thinking approach as you go through the steps maybe just also share with us share with me What's the mood, the feel, the environment within which all of this is taking place?
0: All right. So we try and set up the most relaxed um, environment as possible. We we don't necessarily only have this at our own offices. We take this out to our clients. So we are mobile in how we, we do these workshops and sessions with our customers. The setting is definitely very relaxed to get people to come up with different ideas that they're not sitting within the parameters of what they know. We encourage them to come up with their thoughts in very, very short phrases, if not one-word statements, rather than going into a solution mode where they start to look at, here is a problem, let's come up with a solution. We bring them back from that and we start saying to them, we need to understand at an empathetic level, what's going on inside of our business or outside of our business and how we're going to meet this business demand. Okay.
1: So would that then be the beginning of it, the empathizing with the challenge?
0: It would be the empathizing. But before we do that, what we do is we actually go out to our customers and we hold sessions for two hours with their stakeholders to introduce them to design thinking. Because a lot of people think that this is – Something that we're going to go along with, um, one of our clients said to us, well, I thought I was going to be doing pretty pictures. <laughs> and this is not a pretty pictures um, environment. Yes, coming up with it graphically and artistically is part of the process, but it's not the process. So we take them through the expectations that they can experience with This is what design thinking is in terms of the start of it. What are we going to go through and how are we going to get to that outcome? And we encourage them to bring people into the room who can come up with that broader thinking that's around them. So it's not necessarily just the clients that we have that are going to be in the room. We even encourage them to bring their consumers in, their end consumers, man in the street. Bring them in because Uh they are going to give you a very deep insight into the experiences that they are having with a customer's shop, its products or its services.
1: Ultimately, whatever they're going to come up with needs to improve their experience and their journeys with that particular organization. Absolutely. Okay. So the first step would then be empathizing. Yes. Okay. Em- so can you maybe just talk us through then
0: the, the steps so that we get, we get a feel for how this works? Sure. So the empathizing is first looking at, so what does this consumer want? What are the needs of that consumer? How do we break that down and how do we get to a persona level that our customer can be identified with when we're looking at a mass aggregation of consumers? So you're looking at a given persona with multi-dimensional facets and how are you going to go into this process and give them the answer that they require? We then define exactly what that is with the user's journey. Through the experience that they have with our, with our customers. So we're looking at our customers, customer. What yes. is the experience they're having as a user journey from beginning to end with them? Out of that, we're then able to clearly define what that business need is. Okay. And what the business problem statement has been. We then go into an ideation phase. Okay. So we, that's the second phase. No. You know, so the ideation is the third phase. So okay. it's empathy is first defining is second, and the third one is ideation. In ideation, we come up with multiple ideas on how to solve this. And we don't do that in isolation. We do that with our customers in the same session so that they have a very deep insight into what this idea is and how practical that could be in their business presently and going forward. Interestingly, when you start doing that ideation, you move it quite quickly into the next phase, which is the prototyping. And in the prototyping, that's where the boundaries get challenged quite strongly, because you're prototyping very often for the unknown. What is this idea that is going to be going forward and is going to change the game in how our customer relates to their marketplace? So the prototype is then developed and we go into a testing phase to see the suitability of that prototype for that business. Is it relevant? Is it going to be a game changer for them? Does it take them outside of what they currently do? Is it breaking boundaries and disrupting in ways that are completely new and need to then have another business need met in order to get that to market? So those are the essential five steps. It's empathy, defining, ideation, prototyping and testing. Okay. It's during the testing phase that you discover whether you've failed fast or whether you've passed. And if you failed, well then we go back into prototyping until it's time as we can quickly come up with a solution or a product that is ready to go to the next stop, the, sorry, the next step within the process which is testing and then final approval to go to go, go to market. Okay. So so
1: listening to it it sounds, I mean, pretty straightforward. It it sounds pretty simple. I'm almost um, struggling to define how it differs from other approaches. And that's where I'm kind of trying to get the understanding is what makes it unique and how is
0: it different to other problem solving techniques that exist today? So it's very, very keyed into, as I said to you, into an emotional belief. I was uh, privy to some training that I went on a while back. And one of the things was this, there was a, a description that was given. How do we change? How things are seen and experienced by the consumer. And in this, there was a case study that was done, uh, with General Electric, uh, who were in charge of building MRI machines. Okay. And if you think of an MRI machine, an MRI machine is really a medical device that is going to give insight into complications that somebody's having with their health. Yes. When you look at the business angle, there was a major business concern in that MRI machines are, um, Requiring that return of investment to be linked to the number of patients that go through the MRI, and one of the blockers they had was when children have to go into MRIs because of the nature of the machine yes, the machine itself is actually quite a quite a scary thing to do' very you intimidating very intimidating it uh, 's yeah. a it's a cylindrical tube that you put into. There's a, there's claustrophobia. There's strange noises and you're putting an ill child into, into the machine, uh, for scanning and it can become very, very intimidating. So general electric happened to use design thinking and went down the road and said, how do we take this normal in inverted commas and change it to something that is not normal, but improved? And how do we get the emotional buy-in? So, Instead of looking at it from a general electric technology uh, concern, they went down the road of how do we change the user journey, which was for the child. And they introduced the whole concept of creating an exciting journey as a character in a story that goes into the MRI as part of an adventure. Ah, They changed the look and feel of the MRI environments. They made them a couple of images that I've seen. They made a jungle story. They made an underwater coral theme. I see. And children would receive collateral weeks in advance of their appointment about how they were part of a story, and the child was immersed in the story. In so doing, the child was more relaxed, went through the MRI process, a lot smoother and a lot easier. It's a
1: lot more familiar when they get there.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It was something that was now exciting instead of terrifying. And those are the simple things that we're looking at with design thinking. How do you change that user journey where there is often a fear factor in the unknown to something that is looked at as exciting and has a whole bunch of experiences that drive adoption and also drive the engagement of technology to the point of exploration.
1: I see. And I'm thinking, yeah, probably if they had gone down the traditional route, they would have spent uh, you know, millions of dollars trying to re-engineer the machine and change it fundamentally to maybe be more appealing. Whereas with this process, it seems quite a low-cost kind of intervention. It was. Relatively low-cost intervention.
0: If you think about it, it was about aesthetics. Yeah. That was what it was about. It was about look and feel. It had nothing to do with changing the... The basics of the technology uh who would have thought that a massive company like General Electric would be suddenly into saying, "Well, how do we make the user diff- story and we're driving adventure stories with our children yes. so that they experience our technology in a positive way that was that was the that 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 was the moment in that story that made me understand that design thinking was way beyond what's currently done by organizations. How can they break what they currently do to get a different outcome?
1: And I guess then it's, it's also reinforcing your message earlier that you can't start with a predefined solution or even the thought of a predefined solution in mind because you might then end up going down the same route you would have gone anyway, in effect.
0: Absolutely. It's a blank canvas. You start with the defined business problem and you come up with ideas that haven't been come up with before. And how are you going to change it? Maybe you come up with iterations of stuff that exists, but you're looking for that breakthrough moment where it's completely different to how we've done it historically.
1: Yeah. So just on the on that comment around iteration, what happens if you get stuck on any one of those steps? I mean, what is the typical approach to getting unstuck and moving forward? Is it a case of going backwards? How does it work practically?
0: So practically, there is a facilitated environment where – if there is a stuckness that comes through, you completely clean the slate and you start again to the point where you you come up with something new. Sometimes it may require rescheduling of the session because people do get into a loop and then can't break it and they may need some time away from it just to come up with a completely different thought process. And when they get to, to start it again, we trust that the process will be delivering uh, better results. Mm and the need for facilitation which you which you mentioned
1: uh, is it something that companies can just pick up you know something on the internet and kind of just follow the steps um why the need for a company like innovate to to be involved and to run these workshops or the yeah you know, the, these these engagements
0: so first of all innovate has always been um filled with characters who are very strong on innovative thinking and we're very creative in how we see the world around us that's the first thing about innovate We introduce facilitators into these environments so that from outside of their fishbowl, we're able to facilitate something that does bring something new and fresh to this. Okay. Organizations very often, if they want to facilitate their own business problem, they get locked into the fact that they're still doing what they've always done. Yes. So it's bringing that fresh thought, that fresh air to this, and making sure that they have the ability to follow the methodology and the framework that we have.
1: Okay. I'm also thinking that typically in an organization, you'll find… in, in most organizations, you know the more senior leadership would tend to have stronger voices, and if you're trying to create this all inclusive environment you know with people from the very entry levels of the organization to you know board level members, if it was run internally, you might struggle to make sure that everyone 's voice is kind of engaged equally
0: yeah I think if it's if it's done internally, people do have that um, the power lies in the title. So the title gets more voice, yeah. um, and we we encourage in the workshops that everybody has voice and that there is no judgment around some of the ideas that get postulated. If you look at historically, who would have believed that the telephone in its original form way back when was – going to be the next best thing for communication. That somebody said, I'm going to have a device, I'm going to put a wire between this one and another device, and you're going to talk to each other, people would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. But we don't want any kind of that judgment coming into these sessions because it's very often the people who are working down at Ground Zero who come up with amazing Ideas, because they're battling with the concepts and battling with the problems every single day. The problems Whereas are very real to them. It's yeah. very real. Tangible, yeah. They touch it every single day. They experience the frustrations with it. Whereas leaders tend to be more high level with a, a higher level view of this, and they may not experience, they may not even know that that problem exists in their organization.
1: Yeah. So um, naturally, once we've, we've spent the time to identify I mean, a complex problem, um, and we've gone through... You know the the five steps in terms of you know uh, um engaging that problem, then comes the aspect of adoption right so let's assume now we've we've come up with an intervention whether it's a product a solution, a methodology, whatever it might be uh, we then move into the space where this thing needs to be adopted and I know that's an area that that you come from your background around change management. How is change management evolving to meet this digital world that we that we exist in
0: today? So we looked at this very seriously as a company about two years ago and said to ourselves in the technology space, what is it that is required for people to want to use the solutions that we put into their organizations? And we came down to a very simple word. It was about, it was about emotion. When we looked at our change management methodologies that were around us and we tried to align that to how agile we tried to work, um, we found that there was a disconnect. And the only way to, to, to improve that was to make the change management process a lot more streamlined okay. and to focus on the end user through all sorts of Aspects like training and their emotional buy-in and coming up with ideas to streamline the actual change management process. Okay. So we came up with a product that we call Sticky. Um, it is our user adoption program. Um, and we align this from a point of view of what the stakeholders are, are coming up with. So the stakeholders would be in the, in the design thinking world. They would be the people that have come up with this idea of the new technology. Okay. How important is that to the organization to use the new technology? How is it going to be adopted by end users within the company? We also then looked and said, well, Sticky doesn't need to necessarily stop within the office space. What happens if we're do- dealing with a B2C um, company where it's about the consumer's now being able to consume that product or service. Yes. How can we assist in driving that process forward? So Sticky then started to cut over and merge not just the change management principles, but it was about brand buying and brand awareness of consumer products and services. Mm. So that's where Sticky is a quite a unique blend of change management and marketing. As well as internal communications in the business that change management leverages off anyway, yeah so sticky has become quite a quite quite a new product in our environment that we've brought to market in the last six months to a year, okay, and we're, we're seeing some really nice successes with it
1: yeah so but then I want to then take a, a slight step back change management i mean it's been around for ages, and we we all know of You know, huge sums of money spent implementing some new system in a company and how the change management has failed. Have we grown beyond that? Is that still something that's prevalent um, around change management in in, in engagements?
0: Change management is always going to have a large degree of science and psychology uh, running as two alongside streams. Are we going to end up changing that? I don't think it's going to be changing fundamentally in those principles. The change that has to come is how quickly can change management keep up with this complex, fast-to-market environment that we live in at the moment. Um, My history in change management over the last number of years – Saw that when we were doing large deployments of uh, of technology solutions, there could be time frames that lasted up to eighteen months at a stretch hmm. Now, in eighteen months today, from the time you do an implementation or a deployment of a new solution if you 're eighteen months down the road, everything else has changed absolutely, and the relevancy of what you put in has disappeared, so hence the need to move change management faster and more agile because the complexities that come out of environments when you're doing agile is also a very interesting field
1: yeah is it still relevant though i mean with people becoming digitally evolved as i like to coin it um everybody or not everybody but many people becoming a lot more aware with technology the new entrance into the workplace certainly growing up um almost with technology as, a, as an extension of themselves is there still a space um, or a need for for this type of intervention change management and, and let me elaborate um, you know I, I often say you know nobody has to teach me to use a cell phone I buy it and I figure it out you know um, nobody has to teach me to use apps you know I buy it I kind of work it out maybe I'll ask one or two people a couple of questions and, and it's sorted and my expectation is that technology will become a lot more user-centric going forward. And so will there still be a space for change management into the digital future?
0: So you're right in that technology is becoming far more intuitive. Yes. The end user gets to see it. They work through it a lot faster. Um, but from a point of view of change management's relevancy, in fact, if anything, I think that change management is becoming more and more relevant. Okay, sure. The reason I say that is when we look at – Uh, the younger generations coming into the workplace at the moment, you have this very high degree of being the digital native. They've grown up with this technology from the time they were toddlers. They are very accustomed to technology. We have got the bell-shaped curve, though, which is telling you that inside of the organization you've still got – People who are slower to adoption of technology, not because they are slow, but because of their fear factors around what is technology about? We're getting 40, 50 year olds in, in organizations who maybe battle to keep up with the degree of technological change that's happening all the time. Yes. And change management is the lubricant that helps people overcome that inherent fear of the unknown. When we take uh, business solutions to the younger generation who are very, very techni- tech savvy. Their fear is understanding business and also their drive on how they're going to disrupt business. Okay. So the, there is the one or the other, depending on which generation you're in. The change management is designed so that it enables people to cross from the current known into the future known. Okay. And – I think it's it's more relevant than ever before. We've seen it with our implementations and our deployments of solutions into customers. There is still this abject, uh, what can I call it, holding back on engaging of the technology. And when you look at it from a business angle, that hold back is a delay in the return on investment cycle
1: mm. so I guess it, it, it then leans into um, what we hear many you know speakers talk about now is this concept of learning, unlearning, and then relearning and and i, and I and 'm sensing from what you 're telling me is that in order to enable that um, this this evolved change management approach is going to be quite key in in, in that process
0: yeah absolutely it's the training component that we're putting into the efforts of our user adoption program is seeing that there is a very high degree and requirement on training in um, before, there may have been certain elements of training that just were technology-specific. We're now looking outside of that. How else can we coach and mentor people into other roles where they see technology as a, technology as an enabler of moving forward into other dimensions of their business instead of the technology being an endpoint?
1: Yeah. And now, just maybe share what's happening. I mean, what are you seeing with customers currently? How are they're receiving this? Is there still kind of this big demand? Is there hesitance how How's the market receiving? Um, the design thinking for one, and then augmented to that then the sticky change management
0: approach? So we've seen some very strong traction in the design thinking arena. Okay, um, Customers are really excited that there's a completely different way of looking at things. Recently, we were um, doing design thinking workshops with uh, one of the prominent retailers in the country. And They started off going down a road where they said, all we want to do is we want to come up with a given set of outcomes in this space for our stores. Okay. And we went down an eight-hour intervention with them, and out of that workshop came three different proof of concepts that they wanted because they suddenly branched out further. So they still got what they wanted in terms of – Adding something new to their stores and their environment in the stores, but they also wanted two completely other sol- uh, different solutions coming forward, um, which was really, really exciting. Yeah. We've also seen how we engaged the financial services company a couple of months back and we put it to them that they needed to come up with some different ideas on how they're going to engage the consumers and how the consumers are going to onboard into, into their into their environments. And it was really interesting. The audience that we were given came out of their IT environment. They didn't come out of the the quintessential financial background or the branding or the marketing or the the store design people or organizational design these were these were people from the tech world yeah IT people absolutely and we broke this session up and in the space of 3 of of 3 hours we came up with six different engagement mechanisms for their consumers. So it's that kind of traction that we're seeing is coming out of design thinking, and there is a lot of um, attraction. We we recently have had discussions with one of the motor manufacturers, and in that space there is a very strong affinity for the consumer to have an emotional experience with a motor car. Yes. And they came to us with a problem. There was actually a business problem that we quite quickly understood – wasn't a business problem. It was actually an emotional problem on how they could drive a younger generation into their brand awareness campaigns and get them ultimately obviously to drive their motor cars. Yes. So we're dealing with that and that's a really exciting, uh, place we're playing in at the moment because it's taking us into some really new arenas that Innovate hasn't necessarily played in. And we're leveraging off the, the brain's trust that we have around us in our marketing and our brand development. Mm. So it, it is a really, really, um, powerful tool to unlock new opportunities and new possibilities for our clients. We also see design thinking as something that is technology agnostic as well as agnostic in other areas. So we might go in and start with, well, we came to talk to you about a technology solution, yes. but we may come up with something that has nothing to do with technology. And if that's the outcome we have from our workshops, well, then we consider it a success.
1: I see. And isn't that interesting that, um, you know, a technology company, um, like, like the one that, that you, that you are responsible for is in itself, Disrupting itself Or being disrupted And that you're moving Into other spaces Where you're disrupting Other people I mean you spoke about Marketing and communications Campaigns um, Obviously you're talking About consulting Business strategy So that evolution In itself is quite Interesting for me In the context of This show where we talk About disruptive energy And how it's permeating Everywhere <laughs>
0: We're seeing that within our own organization that there will be this move into completely different arenas and exciting stuff. Uh, we were talking about it the other day. In fact, when I say that it was, it was two days ago. We had a initial discussion across WhatsApp about how can we disrupt certain elements of the solutions we take to market. And I said, you know what that might require? That might require us employing a lawyer into our organization to help us with these business problems that customers might require overcoming. And then it dawned on me later on here, we're a tech company who's considered innovative and creative and a bit off the wall. And we're going, we need to employ a lawyer to, to take care of that. So there is a strong evolution within our business and where we're going to going forward. Um, the same thing is happening with our customers. Uh, I think that they are living in changing times all the time. Yes. I was talking just now about uh, this client of ours who is in the automotive game. It's very interesting to see what they're being disrupted with. Um, what are they facing with driverless technology that's, yes. that's coming down the road? What are they doing regarding moving from combustion engines to electrical power? Um, how is all of that going to play out in how people buy into those brands? Mm. There is a very strong requirement that we find that we use design thinking within our own organization to constantly challenge that what we're doing is relevant for our marketplace.
1: And the fundamentals of your business, um, do those remain? Do those evolve and change in this process?
0: At this point in time, I would believe that the fundamentals of our business are staying uh, the same. Uh, We've had a very strong history in compliance and governance around documents and how documents are managed by organizations. I don't believe that we need to necessarily take that off the table. It's about how can we take the lessons we learned in that space and include that in other areas that we're starting to play in that were historically not even part of our organization. So I think that we can take those very strong disciplines that we were very good at. We we won numerous awards. We won the Microsoft um, award for 10 years in a row for content and collaboration because we were really, really good at that um, at that discipline. How can we evolve and say, so we won that for 10 years. How do we move on into something completely new, but taking our DNA with us so that it can help our, cons- our customers too?
1: And I'm listening to that. I'm thinking it's probably a lesson for most organizations is to say, don't be too hasty to say this disruption. Things are changing. I need to completely forget about what I do today. But it's really, I guess, learning and leaning into your heritage and seeing how you apply the lessons from that into the future.
0: Correct. Uh, you know, if I look at um, a couple of things, um, for example, in entertainment, digital entertainment, look at the likes of how we're engaging with that at the moment. You're seeing companies who st- historically have been broadcasters. Now they're becoming um, providers of entertainment in slightly different ways, but they're core dna was entertainment they just happen to be delivering it off different platforms um, they happen to be using different kinds of technology they're looking at other kinds of technology like vr so there's all sorts of delivery mechanisms that are changing but the core essence is entertainment mm. and that's what they're still delivering and that's how i see ourselves as well we have a dna that we still want to deliver to our clients and is it still around technology Yes, at this point in time, definitely around technology. I do think, though, that the business consulting aspects are going to become a lot stronger within our organization because we want to map closer to the customer's experience and the customer journey. Mm. We're wanting to understand – our customers a lot better end-to-end. Yes. Instead of us getting to a point where we just deliver a technology solution and then step back and wait for the next technology solution requirement to come along. Yes. It's about taking them down that and experiencing their business with them. It's a more intimate relationship.
1: Absolutely. What does that look like into the future then? So, you know, currently it's, it's really um, – Looking at design thinking as a problem-solving approach to come up with to help organisations, I guess, become more innovative in in addressing challenges they may face, and then looking at sticky from a user adoption point of view, to how does that evolve and and help you to grow with the people and not leave anybody behind? What then is the next is next on the on the
0: horizon? So next on the horizon would be looking at uh, a number of technologies. We're looking at the the virtual reality and augmented reality world quite strongly at the moment. Uh, we do believe that with the the move to cloud um, as the – where tech is going at the moment, it's going to enable us to bring a lot of those solutions into the workplace in how you're going to find workforces more mobile, working more remotely. How are they going to interact with company systems in ways that look a lot more exciting than just – sitting at a laptop every day. Yes, day. We're looking at um, how can we change the dimension of the relationship with our customer? How can we have that a lot more intimate, a lot more um, experiential with our clients and understanding their businesses and seeing how we can take our tech know-how and our business consulting know-how and map the two together.
1: Okay. At the risk of us now using terms AI, VR and just, assuming that that we all you know um, understand them the same way what will that look like and mean in your world because you know there's a lot of terms that get thrown around um, and you know us tech techie people tend to do that a lot yeah um i want to understand better what what that means in in your world going forward and what will that look like can you share some examples um some stories perhaps of of things that kind of will give us an idea of, of what that will mean or look like
0: so, something that um, and i 'm sure we 've got better brains in the world than mine uh, looking at these kinds of opportunities. What does the existing workspace look for like for somebody we We are all plugged into into LAN cables and we 've got wifi and we 've got desktops and we 've got chairs and we work at the office. How is that going to look going forward if we were to take away the laptop and we were to, to bring in Virtual reality, how are people going to have gamification around how they engage with a business system? How does working with an ERP system that can be interesting to a point and boring to a point, how do you change that experience? How does it become something where instead of somebody doing the rote plug-in every single moment of their day, where it's almost methodical to the point of robotic, Yes. how do you change that for the human being? Because the bots are coming that are going to take over that methodical, uh, linear process-driven work. Yes. Those are the kinds of questions we're starting to ask. How do we change how somebody engages with technology every single day? Because that's what they're engaging with for the majority of their awake hours. They come into the office, they're sitting down, and they're doing the same environment – all day long, mm. they has to get to a point where people are bored with it, absolutely, and I guess
1: it's also then going to require an enhancement of the human relevance within these potentially linear and kind of you know mundane uh, tasks that the bots will eventually take over and do
0: yes the, the human dimension is for me that's me personally that's where I like to st- certainly play is what can people be doing? that is more meaningful to the world around us other than just sitting at desks where bots can be taking over those linear processes. And I think that that human journey is going to become very evident in the way that we work, the technology and the solutions that are given to us, and how we can actually start to create them because these kinds of technologies are going to become more and more easy to use for the end consumer. Okay.
1: So... Craig, we're coming to the end. Um, before we wrap up and, and it's nice that we're talking about the human dimension and the human aspect, which invariably always comes up in, in, in these conversations, um, with our guests. You're now looking into the future, um, looking into the future around uh, the African continent, around your business that, that, that you're currently evolving and around our country. Um, what do you see into that future? What's your vision? What does your vision
0: look like? So for me, education is a fundamental area of game-changing that needs to happen. We've been doing education for as long as the sun's been coming up in the same way. Yeah. It needs to change. We've got amazing young minds um sitting in our schools and coming into our schools who Need to be able to to get that creativity out there because it 's unlimited potential it 's not something that we need to be ring fencing so certainly looking at education I think is a is a massive opportunity for for, for change and where we 're going through that and I think that another thing that we need to be looking at in in the African space is we live on this amazing continent with so much diversity, not just in terms of culture but in terms of the ways of doing things yes we need to be able to embrace that that difference aspect in how we're going to bring new things to market. One of the things I think that we would be looking at quite strongly is how how is agriculture, for example, how can Africa be embracing the Internet of Things in agriculture and taking that forward where we become the breadbasket for the rest of the planet? Absolutely, um, I think it's uh, I think that's a, re- a really interesting place to be going to go and play, and I think that the adoption of technology in Africa is going to happen a lot faster than in many other areas of the world because you're finding that this explosion of technology into the African space is exploding on mobile platforms. They're already mobile. They haven't had to unlock the thinking of how do we go from stationary, sedentary adoption of technology to this mobile world. Mm. Mobile is the way that they've been doing it. So I think that it's a it's a really good thing. The thing is time is short, and I think that design thinking is going to accelerate and take advantage of that Shortage of time to bring new things to market.
1: Fantastic. And then with that, um, how do you then define disruption within all of that?
0: So disruption is, is that failure is the option. That's how we've got to look at this. Failure is not an outcome which is, which is defined as the end of something. Failure is the option which gives us the necessary energy to go to the next best thing so i'm not encouraging that failure is the only thing we're going to do because yeah. <laughs> failure is a root is, is is a is a stopping point on the road to success um for me that's that's where the where the disruption is going to come it's that challenging of oneself and challenging of the people around you to stop doing things like we've been doing it we do need this change to come across every aspect of our society at the moment
1: mm, and so it's really about Being bold enough to get into it so that you make the mistakes and have those small failures early in the process, get over them, re-energize yourself, and then move on again into the next step.
0: Yeah, it's maintaining that belief that uh, failure is the best thing that's going to happen other than (laughs) short-term success. Yeah. Fantastic,
1: Greg. Thank you so much um, for joining us on the show today. It's really been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about design thinking around sticky and the evolution of change management, how do they get more information from Intovate?
0: So what they can do is they can go onto the Intovate website, which is intervate.com, Um, and on there, they can then log queries that they would like to have answered. They can log their inquiries. Um, they can also contact us. All our contact details are on the, on the website. Um, uh, they're welcome to, to send me a mail directly and I, I will, I'll engage with it. My, my email address is craigm at com, And uh, I look forward to hearing from everyone. Thank you
1: very much, Craig. Thank you for joining us on the show. Um, it's been another wonderful um, show today, time spent with Craig, talking about something which I really think is, is going to help organizations to get over some of the hurdles they have or may have um, with evolving from an innovation perspective. And then from an adoption point of view, I think it's important companies start to understand that you know, having the good ideas is one thing, coming up with solutions is another, but really getting that adoption and deriving the value from the investments they make in, in addressing those problems becomes key, and it's great that companies like Intervate, um have got um, ways and means in which they can support organizations to do that. Um, once again, to our sponsors, T-Systems, for the platform, we're ever grateful. Um, it's really a lot of fun and interest and engagement that we get on the show, so we really appreciate them for continuing to sponsor the show. And to everybody who's been listening, thank you for joining us on Disrupt with me and Pomin uh, We'll see you again next week. Thank you very much.
0: This is CliffCentral.com.